Welcome to Counterpress on The Ringer and Spotify. It's Thursday, which means a cultural Counterpress episode for you. I'm with Jesse Parker Humphreys and producer Becky Taylor Gill. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> screamed there, I because we had, we had complaints that hadn't been full naming you. And the reason is, is because we've got too many surnames. Disrespect. We've got too many surnames on this show, especially when it's just the three of us. That is, <laughs> that is six, double-barreled that queens. Is six <laughs> surnames. And I felt like, why don't I create more of a persona, more of a brand for Becky as producer Becky? Thanks, yeah. I, well, I quite like it, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and just occasionally shouting out my full name. <laughs> what, if Twitter. someone wanted to, yeah, find Becky, then that's why we need to know. I think Becky her brand is strong enough. People are finding her <laughs> so anyway. True. Maybe like, I should change my Twitter name to producer Becky. There you go. <laughs> oh, you can create a whole yeah. new persona. Uh, so, yeah, shout out. Becky Taylor Gill. Thanks. Before we get into the theme of today's show, which is a celebration of gay icons and iconic gay moments in the women's game for LGBTQ History Month, we need to talk about the moon. A perfect segue because she's a gay icon. She is a gay icon. <laughs> but the moon, wow. I mean, the studio looks like, a, the light in the studio Guys, is like a big old moon today. Do you remember that moon last night? The moon? <laughs> How good it was. How could I forget? <laughs> Look, we don't need to talk about the Conti Cup semi-final between Arsenal and Manchester City. We just need to talk about the moon because wherever you are in, in the world. Did you see it? Did Tweet you us. see it? Because that's the magic of the moon. Everyone gets a chance <laughs> to see it. But last night it was actually crazy how low the moon was at Meadow Park. Everybody around us at Meadow Park was going, is that the moon? <laughs> tell me a game was nil-nil without telling me a game was nil-nil. But it, wasn't it so funny? Because when we first saw the beautiful moon, shout out the moon, <laughs> it was like, it was, we, no one believed it was the moon. because yeah, we, we were went, all discussing. It was we, great discussion said, happening. no, that's something else. I that's a sure. building. I was like, that's the fucking moon. But then we realised it was just going up in the air so quickly the, into it was the sky. Moving so fast. Just, but like, does it always move that fast or was it just because no, it was no, so pretty? It was because it was so one. low. Every single 30 but seconds it would get it higher like and higher. That? Scientists tell us. Yeah. I did say I was going to Google it and then my phone was on low battery and on the way home so I didn't. But after this pod, that's the first thing I'm going to do. Okay. It was, Please do. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Stunning. I love her. We did actually lose our minds for maybe like half an hour. Like, well, do, do the chart. With the chart. <laughs> Becky came up with the chart. Well, we came up with many, many chants. Basically, you for can the fit the moon into, into any anything. football chart. Okay, yeah. you do give us My one. favourite one. Are you ready to join in? Yeah. My favourite one was What do we think of the moon? Beauty. beauty. What do we think of beauty? The, the moon. moon. We love the moon. <laughs> what was the other one? There was another. Oh, no. There was a bit that the, the women who were sitting in front of us absolutely loved the it. Moon. We was the moon. The women sitting in front of us absolutely loved it when um, Abigail Byrne was having a meltdown about something and Becky goes, Ref, what are you doing? And then, Jesse, you said... No, I said, what do you think of the moon? What do you think of the moon? And the women in front of us loved absolutely it. loved it. It was a chaotic half an hour. It really had like a... a it was. It was. I was upset that Arsenal scored because we, it was a really chaotic energy. exerted... The end, chaotic energy Ooh, onto the Arsenal yeah. players, and then once it reached its, you know, Maybe. apex in the sky, that's when that's when they sort of calmed down. Yeah, yeah true. I think it was a, like a combination. I think it was a beautiful combination of Conti Cup ridiculous vibes and the it moon the having ridiculous vibes. Yeah, and I also enjoyed Katie McCabe saying that um, Arsenal's Conti Cup semi-final win had broken Twitter. That is more of the chaotic energy that this competition needs. Anyway, beautiful moon. She's a queer icon. She's a queer her. icon. And that is that's the, it, that's the pod. That's Bye. the pod done. Um, yeah, on, on today's show, we're going to be talking about 
LGBTQ History Month, which was founded by Schools Out, the education charity, which I didn't even know that they created it. But it's a celebration, obviously, of queer history throughout the years. But on this show, we're obviously going to celebrate the women's football side of things, the football side of things. This episode is all about gay icons in women's football and iconic gay moments from LGBTQ people in the women's game. So let's get into it after this. I'm going to start with something historical because I feel like we got to we got to we got to look at our, our foundations, the the forefathers, the four sisters, the four mothers of queerness in women's football. And I wanted to start with Lily Parr. And we hear a lot about Dick Her Ladies, the history of the women's game, the record-breaking matches. <laughs> Dick Her Ladies, so bored of it. I know because I know it can be a bit eye roll because. Throughout the years when people talk about the ban around women's football and that 50-year period and the record-breaking game at Goodison, I think sometimes we feel like those conversations hold the future and the the modern game back because you're so rooted in that past. But I do think it's really important to talk about someone like Lily Parr because not only was she an exceptional athlete scoring nearly a thousand goals in her career, which is just like insane. I think she started playing when she was like 14 with adults, younger, yes. um, which, which is just mad. She was also an out gay woman in the early 20th century, which was certainly way ahead of its time, not the norm. And she was pushing boundaries. And I think that is one of the reasons I think maybe she needs to be celebrated more than she already has been because the focus is very much like on the team and what they were doing and and the build up to women's football being banned in 1921 but not necessarily her and her queerness and that and how that was so ahead of its times so we've got to start with those foundations that Lily Parr laid down but of course we've got to talk about one of the most iconic gays in women's football we've got to talk about Megan Rapinoe because I didn't actually realise because in my head she's been out her entire career. She didn't actually come out until 2012, just before the Olympic Games in in London, which I, I don't even remember that that happening. I was finishing school at the time. But yeah, in my mind, she's just always been this kind of like figurehead of women's football and queerness in women's football. But certainly since that point, I mean, she's never looked back because now everything she does is... You can't win anything without the game. You can't win anything without the game. told us. Um, yeah, uh, her book actually is really interesting on that decision as well. Maybe it's one future for Counterpress Very Book Club. Very good book, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, again, I guess similar to, to Peyron Mannion, but talking about maybe her, her disappointment about how her decision wasn't necessarily matched by other players and her feeling around you know, the importance of, of, of talking about it. And I think this is like an interesting kind of tension that is maybe going to come up with like quite a lot of players. Or not tension, but obviously there's a large number of players who are out in their personal lives who feel no need to publicly speak about it. And that is totally within their, their rights as well. Um, but then at the same time, you've got a number of players who, um, I guess like Rapino, who felt like by saying something and by talking about it, there, there was also like... Uh, a big opportunity for them to to make something bigger than themselves. And I think Megan Rapinoe is like an amazing example of that. And, you know, the reason why I think she's such a great gay icon as well is because 
so much of her activism is incredibly intersectional and she's created a platform for herself around her queerness that she's then been able to use to extend to campaign on on other issues, whether it's been, you know, like Black Lives Matter and, and the stuff, you know, she did uh, talking about Colin Kaepernick or um, the campaign for like equal pay and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's a really important, I guess, lesson to take away from stuff that it's not just about like necessarily talking about your sexuality although that is really important but about like a, a broader more intersectional platform you can build off of that uh, yeah that's definitely been a, a focus of hers and she's won plenty of of honors in relation to that and in relation to her activist work also she's part of an iconic sporting couple alongside her mm. fiance Sue Bird, who plays in the WNBA, but has just recently retired, I think, hasn't she? So I think that the way that they're positioned in US sport and around the world is really important because it's the combination of their powers and it's the ease at which they live loudly and proudly. It's that so no, they, they they don't they don't really care what people think about them and they're confident in who they are and they're very authentic and I think that's what's I so think amazing. they engage with their sexuality in a very um, relatable way like yeah. it's silly I think it's very easy when you have conversations about like people being out to like talk about it quite seriously and I'm aware I have just spoken about it seriously <laughs> for the entirety of this podcast episode. Jess is like no fuck seriousness let's be but silly it's like, it's, it, but it's, it's interesting but you can do right? both as yeah, well that's yeah, the point exactly. right is you can exactly. do both and everyone, lots of people who are gay <laughs> spend a lot of time taking the piss about making jokes about being gay. That's why it's funny when she said you can't win anything with other gays. Exactly. Because it, it's so easy within the media to be like, have to be like, mm, you know, serious. very serious. And, you know, I'm d doing this to like support people and help people. And that obviously is part of it. But like sometimes you can just stick around with it as well. I think also it's poor. I mean, I remember speaking to you, Jesse, for that piece I did now, maybe like nearly two years ago for The Athletic around rainbow laces and around the visibility of couples within the women's game and that relatability, but that validation it brings. And I think in that piece, you know, when I spoke to you, you made a very good point about the epitome of Christy Mewis and Sam Kerr, who we're going to get onto a little bit later, is the joyfulness of it. And although, you know, a lot of the stories that we hear is about role models, it's about normalising, it's about pushing boundaries and it's about, you know, pushing societal norms and um, even, you know, legal rules in countries. But actually also it should be a celebration of the fun, the joy and what that is in as part of the queer community and not just focusing on the, on the negative and the dark and the tough parts of it because we do see that in our day-to-day -day or we do see that quite visibly, especially right now in, in societies around the world. So it feels like this is the most important moment to actually celebrate that joyfulness and be able to say that, you know, with, with people like Megan Rapinoe and, and Sue Bird and lots of other people we're going to talk about on this episode, like that, it, you know, they don't let that weight and that, that they don't let that carry us. And that's a privilege in, in itself not to have that. But to be able to see them just living their best lives is extremely important. Yeah. And I also think the other thing with, with Megan Rapinoe as well is, is also that joy like comes in a lot with how she presents herself and like... The, the hair, hair dye, colors and yeah. blah, blah blah, but I think there's also like there she she kind of pushes a lot of gender norms as well, and you know like obviously we're kind of talking about sexuality, but like gender like so closely relates to that, and you know within women's football, I do still think there's like a very strong gender norm in how you look, and what I think is really like cool is to see Megan Rapinoe, who's like 
I wouldn't like describe necessarily as mask because I think she really likes to play with like mask masculinity and femininity and how those things work together. But I think she obviously enjoys playing with that stuff. And I think that's something that we don't often see in, in women's football that much. And I think that's something that at points that I found like kind of isolating in terms of thinking about sexuality within the women's game, that it can still feel like you're like everyone very much has to look a certain way as part of like still presenting um, this like acceptable gender norm, even if they've got like a transgressive sexuality. Um, so I think that's something as well with Megan Rapinoe, which makes me happy. I think that like that is also interesting to look at, like, obviously, I don't know, we all play in grassroots women's football teams like that. That I feel like that the difference between what elite women's football teams look like, probably a similar amount of LGBT people, but the difference between like, yeah, how those people present, I think is like quite vastly different. Mm. And maybe that's just like the pressure that they feel as like being in the public eye, like they can't push those. So yeah, it's nice to see. I think also, Jesse, a point you made around sort of people talking about why they have made the decision to be out publicly, even if privately you know, lots of people are aware and, and that's obviously up to their own personal decision. But when looking at a lot of the stories within the game that people have come out publicly, I think when Casey Stoney came out in 2014 when she was 31, so towards the end of her career, she kind of spoke about why she felt it, like it was important at that time. And she did an interview with BBC Sport when she came out and she said that, you know, so I'm going to read out some of the quotes and she said, how can I expect other people to speak about themselves if I'm not willing to do that myself? For the last 10 years, I've always cared too much about what other people think. I was frightened of the stereotypes, frightened of being judged, frightened of what other people might say, especially the abuse you can get through social media. But I think I'm in a place where I feel so comfortable in my own skin. I feel so loved by the person I'm with that I feel like I can face anything. And I think that was really powerful to see that because when you talk about the pressure as well that a lot of these people are under, and she was captain of England at the time, but she felt like, how can I, she's obviously a coach now, but how can I look to my teammates? How can I try and be a leader if I'm not necessarily being authentic myself? And I think her making that shift to realise she wanted to go public with her sexuality and be a, be a role model in that way, I think was really powerful. And then, you know, she spoke about the fact that her partner, her former teammate was going to be expecting twins. And obviously now they're married and she's coaching in the States, but she's obviously got this wonderful family. And I think she's a great example of kind of waiting for the, the moment to be right waiting for the timing to be right and not feeling the pressure and feeling like you can live this private life, but you can still be true to who you are. And it's 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 tough. It's not as easy as, as doing that. But I think she saw, you know, she referenced the fact that Tom Daly had just come out not long before she did and, and she felt like that was a real inspiration. And actually, we see this a lot with players. She said that after she came out, she had the best two seasons of her career. She was in PFA Team of the Year in back-to-back -back seasons and recently spoke to Josh Cavallo for an interview and he said exactly the same thing. And I think it is that mental and physical weight that people maybe underestimate when they aren't so publicly out. I also think that what's interesting about like the difference between Casey Stoney doing it like 10 years ago and someone doing it now is that like women's football has grown so much and they are like 
celebrities in their own right and there's more stuff written about them and there's more like a lot more speculation and also a lot more social media where you can like do that digging and and try and work it out and I think that that makes it um like a really like a very different thing to do now than 10 years ago um, because there's just a lot more attention. Yeah, they're them. much more in the public yeah. eye than they were. I mean, I remember when Casey Stoney did come out, she did lots of media interviews. She was on ITV this morning or something like that. Yeah, and I remember this really as like a massive watershed moment when she did like an ITV. I can't remember what breakfast show it was. Um, <laughs> Lorraine but, or but something like, like that. Harris. Um, and... Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it was it is obviously different now in terms of the increased kind of celebrity, but also at the same time, there's a lot more out gay celebrities mm. just generally. And I think the thing that I really remember about when Casey Stoney came out was that just there weren't like really any out lesbians like at, like aside from like Claire Balding, maybe. <laughs> oh, I did it. They're genuinely just, like, though, it yeah. was like. Bar- a barren world <laughs> of Mar- Martina Navratilova in tennis and Claire Balding and that's about it. Yeah, so I feel like there's also, that's like a very different context of just like, there just weren't like visibly gay women on television. And even though like people didn't necessarily know who Casey Stoney was, she obviously, you know, like commanded res- like respect as as like the England captain. Um, yeah, and I think that that goes in both ways, right? That That's also why I think generally when we think about players now and like coming out and, and talking about their sexuality and uh, we're going to talk about um, Magda Eriksson and Harder, I think they're a great example of this is like for lots of people it's just like there's not the, the same need in, in some ways or they don't they don't see there, there being a need because there there are lots of like queer role models generally um, and I think that's something that's changed I guess you know Casey Stoney coming out around the same time as Megan Rapinoe and I feel like Megan Rapinoe talks about that in her book as well. I think Casey Stoney does get a mention. Um, but it's just kind of crazy to think about how the media landscape in terms of queerness has changed so substantially in in a decade. But, you know, like, sometimes I think about, like, what it'd be like to be, like, a gay 16-year-old now. And it's not like it, it, it's easy, but I just think the stuff that you can look to in culture is so vastly different to, like, when I was 16, like, 12 years ago. Yeah, I think the identity of women's football and the culture of women's football has completely shifted. Completely shifted because you have people who are pushing the boundaries of sexuality and gender norms. Like you said, it's that the the idea of what it is to be a woman in football is completely different. And I think I think that's really important because these people are more visible. And we talk about a lot, you know, we talk about Huns in football. And I think that's an important aspect too because it's shifting the way that you can exist in this little world. And it's not saying, you know, like when I was growing up, that, and I think we, you know, there's maybe this is still, it still does exist. But certainly it was very much like, you play football, you look a certain way and you're gay. Like if you're if you're a woman, like from whatever age. Like that was the expectation. That's what everyone saw you as in school, in society, whatever. You were put in that box, right? And now I think we have pushed the box to make it a, a much wider demographic of people. It's not just, you know, cut your hair short, play football and therefore you're gay. Like it's not, it's no longer that identity that you have to fit in. And I think all these examples are people who have pushed those boundaries and because they've been visible with it, because they've been 
on television, you know, being a coach, whatever. Like the fact that people were obsessed with Casey Stoney's outfits at Manchester United <laughs> and the way that she dressed and the fact that people are obsessed with Megan Rapinoe's hair and the way that she dresses and the way that she pushes the fact that she was doing stuff topless for Sports Illustrated. Like, that's massive because you're challenging the identity of what it means to be a women's footballer. And I think you're right. Those kids coming up now, growing up and playing the game and loving the game, they don't feel like they don't need to hide because they're not going to be put into this box that where society labels them as this or that. And like you said, it's it's not as easy as that, but it feels like the culture has certainly shifted. Yeah, and I think also that uh, applies to, like, you know like straight people as well it's just like whatever it's like the fact that for ages there's this weird tension whereby everyone assumed if you played women's football you were gay but also no one was going to talk about being gay and they played women's football and I think that's because for lots of people it felt like you were fulfilling a stereotype but equally then lots of people didn't want to play football because they didn't want to be seen as gay whether they were gay or straight and I think you know by being able to show like the obvious diversity of people who play women's football because duh like (laughs) playing women's football well I I did my dissertation on people who like came out from playing women's football so like (laughs) why are you looking at me sometimes it does make people gay Um, (laughs) but you know like obviously yeah it's like it's like anything in life I want to do a few honourable mentions and a few more shout outs and get onto some iconic moments so we're going to carry on with this after a quick break So honourable mention as well, I want to give a shout out to Jill Scott because the fact that she was on I'm a Celebrity, one of the biggest shows in the UK, huge reality show, and talking about her fiancé, Shelley, shout out Shelley, just the fact that she was normalising the idea of being gay and, and you know, she, she talked very softly and very kind of unemotionally actually about the fact that she was gay and 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 coming out i think she did talk about it while out there and it was just it was very easy and natural it wasn't like this big sort of like how did you do it were you nervous were you scared she just said you know like i fell in love with shelly and it's kind of that's it it's like kind of what do you want to what i quite liked like i don't know part of me with alex scott's book was like i want to know like when you knew and like but i think it was also quite nice to just be like i just fell in love with my teammate and like that's all it was. But like, he was flipping to the pages. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you get to it, and then you realise, oh, it's just love. Okay, damn. <laughs> also, while, while we're here, honourable mention for all of the things that I enjoyed in Alex Scott's book that were gay before Without she got to the gay to chapter. Gay. Um, those two great ones: Abby Weinberg being her first Hotmail password. That yeah, is obsessed. undeniably gay. <laughs> um, and the other one was her and her childhood friend would write letters about how much they like loved being friends with each other and would like give them to each other but never talk about the letters in real life. Like that's that's gay culture, Alex. That is. Contributing to the culture. I love it. Uh, another shout out as well. Hackney Women's Football Club, who were the first out women's football team in London founded in 1986 and their their co-founder Joni Evans uh, is is an amazing woman within kind of the the queer football space but in the wider LGBTQ sports space as well because I don't know if she's still part of the gay games but I think she was part of sort of the the committee or the organizing for that as well and 
I saw an interview that John Holmes, who is founder of Sports Media LGBTQ, did recently with her in September of 2022. And she kind of spoke about how she felt a lot she felt she had a massive role to play as an out lesbian who was playing football uh, and this idea as well you know the same as what Casey Stoney referenced this idea of being comfortable and the fact that she came out around the time of section 28 which was a law passed in 1988 around um, promoting uh, homosexuality in schools and she came out at that time very you know she did an interview on TV about it and she said it, you know it felt really scary but she felt like she as part of an out football team she had a role to play to push society and you know show that that that, that, that this wasn't wrong and 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 that she you know could be her authentic self so it's 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 crazy to me as well that even in the grassroots game there were people feeling like they had to carry the weight of basically all gay women in you know in this country because they were just getting a bit of visibility on television doing like a channel 4 magazine show about their sexuality but she felt like just being a part of a football team was a statement it was a protest in itself and i think we're probably quite privileged that we're existing 30 years later or 40 years later and we don't have to have that same risk factor because like you say Becky so many women's football teams are just existing and being a gay football team isn't necessarily part of their identity it's just part of playing football yeah I think what's interesting about that as well is is when we think about the kind of panic around trans people in sport that exists today now and how you can see kind of the echoes of that in, in the in the past with with um with gay gayness homosexuality <laughs> uh like in in England generally but but also within sport I guess touching on that on that thing before of being like anyone who plays women's sport must be gay um and the feeling of the uh, of feeling, yeah, like that weight and that need to kind of be visible because of how desperate uh, people were to kind of just pretend this uh, like sexuality didn't exist and that that if it did exist, it it shouldn't be spoken about. And I think you know a big thing when we we think about trans people in sport in life in general. Um, it's it's very much the same playbook from before. And I think, you know, there's lots of people who are very naive about the fact that um, like all of it ties in together and that, you know, if they're coming for trans people, they will also go back to coming for gay people. And, and obviously you see that with, with laws around, you know, drag and, and things like that. But um, I think particularly in sport, it's obviously become such a big uh, cultural topic and there is so much you know, not even like casual transphobia, aggressive transphobia within sport. And I think it's really important as well that as we like rightly talk and celebrate, um, you know, people being able to be out of their sexuality, that we also think about how um, people's like gender and, and that how those things relate to their sexuality is also being like aggressively enforced, like across sport in general. And, you know, I know there's been lots of stuff uh, like with the Manchester Laces and, uh, having like a non-binary person in their team and how that relates with FA rules. You know, we often look to things like athletics or swimming because they've become the big cultural touch points within sport, but that is something that affects football as well. And I feel like, yeah, we shouldn't 
you know, when we're looking back at, at how people were talking about being gay in the 80s, it's really important to like look for look to de- today as well and then think about how those same, um, I don't even want to say microaggressions because it is just aggressive, mm. but like it's being reenacted on, on a different level. Especially at the grassroots, like you say, I think there's so much focus on the elite, but it's stopping people participating and just taking part in sport at the very like grassroots, you know, like five aside, yeah, seven if aside. If, if you play an FA affiliated league, you have to like jump through like so many like medical hoops to be able to play as a as a trans person in those. And it, it just it just does it just doesn't matter. It does and it doesn't make sense. And and so people, you know, like Manchester Laces, they play in a. Um, uh, alternative football league which isn't FA affiliated so that they can be inclusive and that is just outrageous that you have to like set up your own things outside of the FA and it's yeah it's like when they banned women's football and like you had to do it without them like it, they should be actively creating a space where you can play football but also it be FA affiliated. We also got a shout out our non-binary icon in the NWSL, Quinn, who has been pushing and really challenging, I think, so many people within the game to just understand gender and sport and has been an amazing role model for so many people. So shout out, Quinn. First trans gold medalist in the Olympics, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. first trans medalist <laughs> yeah. 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 Olympics because I don't know if you're, you're getting in there uh, <laughs> outside of being basically a non-binary person in, in football right now. So let's get on to a few moments as well that we wanted to talk about because there's been a lot and we might not be able to cover all of them. But certainly these are a few ones that popped up when thinking about this episode. Penilla Harder and Magdalene Eriksson's kiss at the 2019 Women's World Cup. I think what's more iconic about that is that um, Penilla's wearing a Sweden shirt. Yeah. I know she said as well in an interview, wasn't it, that more people were like pissed off at her that she was wearing <laughs> well, a Sweden it's shirt and they gave a shit about huge her. huge as Magda. a Scandi rival to put on, a, if you're Danish, put on a Sweden shirt. That's kind of a big deal. Mm. To be fair, they hadn't even got to the World Cup no, because they Sweden had knocked because, them out. <laughs> well, so. because wouldn't they, didn't they protest? And Well, they, yeah, were, they yeah, were having yeah. a dispute they with their They had to go FA. through a playoff, I think, and yeah. then they lost to Sweden. But... That was that's love. That, that was that is love. That was an, an amazing moment that kind of really broke the internet. And I know when I've done pieces speaking to fans, a lot of them talk about that moment as a real moment for them that kind of gave them a lot of validation for who they are and their identity. And also, who doesn't love Madeleine Rex and Penelope Harder? Just beautiful couple yeah. it is funny that Kelly O'Hara did the exact same thing but it didn't no get anywhere near the same reaction <laughs> boring <laughs> obviously we've got to talk about Sam Kerr and Christy Mewis because they are really at the moment I, th- I think they've the overtaken uh, Rapino and, and, and Bird as the power couple oh I don't know because I, I think, think so like Megan Rapino and Sue Bird are both like very successful they're like royalty yeah like in their they're own coming right. for those crowns though Christy needs to up her game <laughs> is that what you're saying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically uh, but obviously they're both playing at the moment they're both part of big teams they both play for their national teams and 
Everything kind of came to a head at the 2020 Olympic Games in the summer of 2021 when Australia and USA played each other and we got the iconic their lesbian Stacey moment that played out on Twitter when there was a picture of an embrace between Sam Kerr and Chrissy Mewis and their relationship had sort of played out on Instagram with people dropping things in the comments well, with her, sorry, with Sam and Chrissy dropping in things in the comments and other people chiming in saying what's going on, like flame emojis but also quite bi- bigger than flame emojis it's a classic like, women's football like big flirtations we all know that you're going out with each other can you just tell us already well a lot of people yeah, but were searching they basically weren't going out with each they were just like heavily chirpsing well when did they get together Flo you did the interview. yeah did you not ask them so I did I, did I thought there was something about like they hadn't really seen each other until that moment so at the their, Olympics. Their, their relationship started on FaceTime right. technically so they hadn't really ever spent that much time That's together. That so good. they were pen pals, really. <laughs> um, they were digital pen pals. So their relationship was born online uh, during lockdown when they started chatting to each other over Instagram. And then there was a point in which Christy came to the UK and had quarantined for two weeks with Sam. And it was all or nothing in that moment where that was the first time they'd hung out in person. That's crazy. And it was in a lockdown quarantine. And then, so I think, I mean, I can't remember the timelines of UK lockdowns because we've had so many of them, <laughs> but it's whether that was before the Olympic Games, the technicality, Can I, I can't say, remember. As the actual, the iconic moment I prefer from Sam and Christie's relationship is when after the... Um, FA Cup game against yes. Arsenal. Sam said, "Oh, my girlfriend's here, so I had to put on a show on the BBC." <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was good. great. Actually, yeah, that, I think that I think that does probably trump the lesbian Stacey because at the point of the lesbian Stacey, they they were not publicly out as a couple. Oh, also, I don't care about that because that was Sam winning Chelsea the FA Cup, so obviously it's more <laughs> important to me. Well, at the time, uh, it was you know uh, the reason it was funny is because Stacey, shout out Stacey from Twitter, also gay. Also gay. So this is how it played out. That's why it's so funny. Come on, Stacey. um, Stacey replied to a journalist who said, I'm sure the, you know, the Sam and Christy fans will enjoy this picture. And there's a picture of them hugging. And Stacey replied saying, oh, sportsmanship at its finest or something (laughs) like that, wasn't it? And then... Prefer Voldemort, who another great person from from the online women's football world, replied saying they're lesbians, Stacey. And Stacey replied back saying, "So am I. What's the big deal?" <laughs> I want that T-shirt. Becky, you? I want the "So am I. What's, What's the, the big, big deal?" deal? T-shirt. So and also Stacey's content is great on Twitter. I love her. Uh, so that bore that moment. But yes, like rightly so, December twenty twenty one we get actually a bigger moment in which Christy is in London. She's in London all the time. She loves London. But she's in London watching Sam in the FA Cup final at Wembley. And of course, it's Sam Kerr. She's always box office in big finals and on TV. And she scores a brilliant goal. And live live on the BBC, she references the fact that Christy was in the stands and she had to bring the heat because her girlfriend's in the stands. And I mean, what more could you ask for for visibility? Literally, I'm showing off in front of my girlfriend because who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't peacock? I mean, I certainly do. <laughs> we so. know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, ha- I mean, any 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 moment involving those two has to, has to really go down in history. Becky, I know you've got something you want to shout out. Yeah, um, I have a list of things that... You're just going to roll through them. I'll roll right, through right, them. Right, right. Becky's favourite gay things. <laughs> They're not necessarily gay. It's like a shopping list. 
They're not necessarily gay. But they're, you know. Okay. Is it the moon? They're gay. <laughs> <laughs> the moon. It's the moon again. But like they're gay to me. Dreams by Gabrielle, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Song of the Euros. <laughs> You agree? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. Okay. Exactly. Oh, okay, I think let's make this a game. You say <laughs> oh, you think it's gay and we whether we agree or, or not. Okay, here we go. This on undeniably gay. Tiny gay football car. We miss an yeah, absolute icon. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, icon, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's Hard a legend, agree. she's an icon, and she is the, the moment. moment. She is. Any any thoughts, feelings on tiny gay football car that you want to share while we're here? No, just hard agree. I would like one. <laughs> yeah, I so am true. tiny too. Do you remember? So I, don't I, in into, I don't want to get back into the debate about k- k- tiny gay football car versus a million BTGs or whatever <laughs> oh, we yeah, got yeah, to yeah. win. That's true. Yeah. Do you remember when I became best friends with the tiny gay football car on Twitter? Oh, I do yeah, remember that. Yeah. How can we forget? The best time of my life. Um, Arnold Clark. Yeah, hundred percent. Gay icon. Gay, gay icon. Yeah. icon. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> um, and when the DJ at Box Park did a shout out to all the lesbians after the Women's Euros final. Yeah, yeah. iconic. I iconic. wasn't there, but w- was it um, was it a man? It was a man. Someone yeah. and who requested I, it? You know, you know? I met the. Or I, I met, I'm sure like after the Women's Euros final, I met the girl that was like, I requested that he did do that shout out. Can you imagine being that guy? I was like, yeah. <laughs> shout, shout out, out to the lesbians. I mean, it, it went down a tree. I mean, I was outside, so I, I don't know, but I can't believe heard. I missed that. I mean, oh. Wembley Box Park it? is the best lesbian club in London. <laughs> <laughs> only lesbian club in London. <laughs> Bury me at Box Park Wembley after a women's football match. It is, yeah, you're right, queer heaven. Remember when they didn't let us in? We were going to oh say, well, sh- we got to also do a homophobic icons <laughs> Wembley Box Park Wembley Box Park is either a queer icon or, or a homophobic, homophobic icon. icon no in between but Wembley Box Park closing after England USA was a hate crime horrifying disgusting horrifying disgusting. especially I was... after I was like see you all there <laughs> press tweet yeah. and then there was a hundred literally all way outside I was, I was kettled so, yeah, all from your so tweet I'm sure. <laughs> no but we were all like kettled just in general we everyone I was, was waiting I was so mad about it and we were all like where else should we go and I was like I just want to go home if I can't go to Box Park Wembley I don't want to go anywhere it's not even worth it there was another one you wanted to mention um, Germany oh yeah I forgot about that one Germany's celebration after winning the 2009 Euros. Cigars and Bacardi Breezes. Obsessed. Iconic. Name a more iconic duo. <laughs> I want to mention Jess Fishlock and Ziara King doing a little snog after Wales won their World Cup playoff semi-final. Sadly, didn't end up qualifying for the World Cup. Imagine but the wag content we would have got if they I didn't know. qualify. It was a moment. Jess Fishlock climbing into the stands after scoring the goal. And just the BBC camera just lingering long enough before quickly going away as soon as they kiss. But that was a moment. And they are hilarious and great on Instagram as well. Yeah, Jess Fishlock's yeah. gay icon. That's all I have to say. Do you remember when we had a... Yes, we had a Zoom with her. Me, Becky and Fiduma had a lockdown Zoom with Jess Fishlock. It was a great time. It's just like when you made Laura Coombs run around her house. It wasn't for content. It was just like, who wants to hang out and have a Zoom? We were like, yeah, sure. Um... Anyway, <laughs> Ingrid and Mappy haven't been shouted out yet. Ingrid and Mappy Leon, yeah, iconic couple, great their, tats. Their coffee dates. Great coffee dates. What language do they speak into each other? If anyone knows, no let me one know. knows. Yeah, and also broken English. Uh, Mappy uh, doing uh, a great coming out interview as well when she came out in oh, her I post. Seen that. Yeah, in Spain. Um, Mappy's neck so, tattoo. Another yeah, gay icon. Uh, Mappy's neck tattoo on its own is a gay icon. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's actually my favourite one. Um, I actually have in my list a tweet and i think this is not just the, not just um 
Ingrid and Mappy, but like happens across women's football. The tweet is just spotted Ingrid Engen at Brentford tonight in a Spain shirt supporting her Barcelona teammates. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of like, yeah, they're just great gal pals. I feel like there's a lot of I think there's a lot of wink pals. wink nudge nudge gal paling in uh, in women's football as a whole. So um, I mean, I love it. It's part 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 of the culture, isn't it? So to finish things off, I want us to pick our five aside team of gay icons. We're going to come up with five together, but we can all put options on the table. I'm going straight in with Ashen Harris in goal. She's chaotic, and you need chaos in five aside because. You need someone who's just going to run out half, the halfway down the pitch and just do something mad. And I think she is the epitome of that. And she's also a gay icon. I can't have Ashlyn Harris in my team, but not for gay reasons, for football reasons. <laughs> uh, I have to go at Katrin Berger because, one, she's the better goalkeeper. So my team's going to win and I care more about winning. Um, and two, uh, yeah, she is very I miss out on a few laughs, though. I don't know. I reckon Anne Catherine <laughs> would be good fun. Uh, what about you, Becky? Uh, Arnold Clark in goal. Player manager? I feel like he's player got manager, coaching vibes. Yeah, player manager. I feel like he'd goal. be there with a big sort of like John Motson style coat. He's and like a rush keeper. He can do anything. He's yeah. going to park the car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's also a ghost. He's a ghost, right? So he literally can do anything because but he's just immortal. But the ball goes straight through him, won't it? Oh, true. Bad goalkeeper. No, he's not You a don't ghost, care like, enough about winning. Things. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like a, a zombie or something. Like okay. He's come back to play football right. in this gay team. Okay, I think I'm going to side with Arnold Clark Zombie Thank as the you. goalkeeper. I'm okay. kind of feeling it. All right, then in defence, Mappy Leal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she does everything. She does it all. Uh, I might have to take Magda Eriksson on this one. Oh. I just feel like I I want for my five-a-side team, like someone who's like a defender defender. And Definitely. as much as I love Mappy. Yeah, but it's a tiny pitch. Football. It's a tiny pitch. You don't need... Who's gayer? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really tough one. <laughs> <laughs> their power in this game comes from like their gay icon status. So I mean... I still think Mappy even trumps it in footballing terms. Not in the kind of way I want my five-a-side team to God, play. Do you have too many stylistic <laughs> plans here? This is really going too deep. Okay, well, I I'm think just trying Becky to be different I, as well. Okay, we can't all pick the same team. I think Becky and I trump it. With we're Mappy. picking a team together. We're, we're oh, coming together. I we were each picking. No, our we're own. coming we're together. Creating, we're creating, we're creating a mega team. I thought we need to go to the Lily Pod tournament. <laughs> okay, fine. Teams. You can have your. We'll be. We'll combining for ours. You can have your own. It takes Lily too Pod long team. to everybody have a five aside team. <laughs> so okay, fine. On your team, you've got. You're basically just creating a Chelsea five aside team. You've got AKP. Boo. What's wrong with that? Boo. And Magda. We've got the ghost of Arnold Clark and Cole. And Mappy Lee. <laughs> this is incredible. What language do they speak? <laughs> Who knows? It, it just in this gay football team, like it's like everybody understands each other. Nobody, also, nobody has Clark, to talk. what an ally! Like, come on, we got to show our allies. Okay, so then um, I think we'll probably only have one at, one at the back. So let's go the midfield. DJ that that to the lesbians at Box Can Park. He play? He's in my team. Okay, I don't know, but he's in it. He's in it. Okay, sure. Jesse, uh, I'm I'm going with Megan Rapino on the left of my midfield. I was going to so. go Megan Rapino, but I kind of want to see if the DJ can play football. But let's go for Megan Rapino next. So let's go DJ okay. and Rapino in a midfield two. I think that could be really exciting. I, I'm going with Rapino on the left and Fishlock on the right of my midfield. God, okay. So footbally. So and who you've got up front? Sam Kerr. Um, I'm going to go tiny gay football car. <laughs> 
I'm not sure we're going to get much out of him. Do you actually just hate lesbians? Because all you picked are things that aren't gay Inanimate women. objects in my homophobic era. <laughs> Inanimate objects more than football. We have Megan Rapino. Plus the DJ. <laughs> I, I quite like... Hey, zombie... Who, how are you saying that tiny gay football car isn't a lesbian? It's a car. <laughs> it's a lesbian car. <laughs> so, zombie... Arnold, Arnold Clark in goal. Yeah. With Mappy Leon okay. sitting in front. Then you've got Rapino and the DJ from Box Park. <laughs> and I'm going to go Sam Kerr up front, but you can have Tiny Football Car up front. Okay. But I think, poor, that five-side team is going to be good. Mine's winning. I mean, AKV, Wagner, Rapino, Fishlock, Kerr. I'm going to win. I'm happy with that. Just wait to see what the zombie of Arnold Clark <laughs> He can be everywhere. You are <laughs> getting past him. Well, um, that was a, a roller coaster ride. We went off with some tangents, but uh, hopefully you all enjoyed it. Don't forget, please, to submit your football love stories and also any questions that you have for our love doctors, Kate and Jilly. We're going to be discussing that next week on our Valentine's special, the anonymous link. It's all anon, so do not worry. And if you want us to change any names, if you've got slightly lengthier stories, then just say, you know, please call them X or whatever. We will we will really try and endeavour to do as much as we can to help you through your romantic woes. I would like some more ridiculous um, advice. All of the advice questions we've got so far have been really nice and cute and wholesome. I want someone who's like in a real tough situation ship or something that needs advice. Like we need we need balance. I have Are put, you uh, in a thruple? <laughs> I put some measures out to my friends who I know are in chaotic romantic <laughs> situations and said hey can you just plug yourself in here hey, briefly do you want to WSL for blood <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that we're going to be looking at that next week. You can find the link to that on the Counterpress Twitter. Becky's pinned it at the top, so please do drop them in there. And we will, of course, be back on Monday to reflect on a big weekend in the WSL because it's Manchester City versus Arsenal. It's box office stuff. And uh, we'll be back on Monday to talk all about it. 